Hello, everyone, and welcome to Unedited Theron and Hazelland, otherwise known as the Q&A at the end of Interference and at the end of Legends of Chell, because people asked us questions about that, too. And we just sort of had a Chell explosion last week where everything ended all at once. So why not? Uh, We have taken questions from Twitter and Discord, and we're going to answer them. For anyone here listening, which is currently nobody, (laughs) uh, we are going to handle the texty questions first. Uh, Oh, hi, C. Tate. Uh, So I was just saying, for anyone here listening, hello. We are going to handle texty questions first, um, but if you have a question that you want to say aloud, uh, we will give you a chance to unmute yourself at some point. Uh, And if you're just dropping in and you have a question and you need to skedaddle, uh, you can send a message in the server and we will drop everything for you. Um, I also want to note that everything is being recorded, so if you don't want your voice to appear in the show, let me know and I will edit you out. Okay, Hazel, ask me a question. Ask you a question. Okay, let's see. Oh, what should I start with? What should I start with? Okay, so on our Discord server, John asked... If I was going to ask any question, I think it would be, how did pl- the players feel about the reverse uh, well, math? Well, it sucked. Uh, <laughs> like, in, in short, the reverse <laughs> math was bad. I, we had spent all of this time building up our characters to be the great characters like that they were mechanically. Um, and then all of that was turned on its head. And that's kind of what you would expect. At the same time... Like, it sucked because we kept forgetting how it works. <laughs> and it was, we had so many moments, and I left so many of them in, where it was like, what are we supposed to be doing right now? Does this kind of check count for the reverse thing? And then, like, moments of excitement when you crit, and then you realize, actually, that counts as a nat one. Uh, it, was, <laughs> it was it was just really, like, there, it was goofy, and it it was kind of funny, but I would never, ever, ever, ever want to play a game like that again. (laughs) (laughs) So, from a DM point of view, (laughs) I should have planned it out better than I did. What was going to work, what way, and what wasn't. And uh, kept a good note up at all times um, so that I could keep (laughs) track of it. Because it was... A lot of work. It was difficult. Um, it did achieve what I what, wanted. A lot of chaos and frustration? And yes. <laughs> a lot of chaos, frustration, uh, you guys feeling less powerful and being a little more careful and scared mm-hmm. of things. See, the thing that I didn't like about it in that way is that uh, we felt off enough that mm, I might say everybody other than me, but that seems mean. So everybody had a tendency to lean into like dice over like role playing. So like Waylon was laying on the ground attacking so that he would have disadvantage. Like everybody was leaning into mechanical tricks rather than playing their mm-hmm. characters the way that they would be played. Yeah, I think it works for the campaign and what I was doing. Well, I mean, there were some very funny scenes of Waylon laying on the floor attacking people. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't think it's anything I would ever do again, um, besides being really difficult and hard to keep track of. (laughs) Um, It's just kind of weird. I was having trouble getting things up to a high enough challenge rating for you guys without it being too deadly yeah too deadly and you guys being like i know what that monster is that's horribly deadly and i'm not going (laughs) anywhere near it and i wanted to give you these enormously powerful godlike entities that you actually had a chance Mm -hmm. against yeah it's an interesting idea i think it worked well enough it was a bit too frustrating <laughs> and stuff. And I clearly had to reverse it when you got uh, to Margwin mm-hmm. at the I end. Do, because I do think she had to be able to have her own strength to fight mm-hmm. you guys. Yeah, so. absolutely. I do think 
that like despite how much I hated it and how how many times in my life that I will repeat that I never want to do that again uh, I thought that the world building that you did around it was amazing like all of these like very sort of sweet soft boys who are they they look like demons or beholders or stuff like that the the people in station five were great (laughs) Mm -hmm. thank you yeah I think the world building I did around it is what really made it work and not be too much of a Mm -hmm. burden after we got there and experimented with it a bit we just kind of moved as quickly as we could to the fight with margwin which was going to be regular dice not only for the logical reason of margwin doesn't want (laughs) you guys to be more powerful than she is um but also because it was frustrating and hard to remember, and everybody wanted to be done with it. So having that reversal at the end is yeah, nice. Yeah, it was nice. Um, okay, so another question from C. Tate. He says, Hazel has mentioned that the Oz books are a huge background influence. Can she talk a little bit about what in particular about it she tried to bring to the campaign or to the world? Okay, so Oz is a big influence for me. I love the Oz series. Um, Most people, I feel like, are only familiar with The Wizard of Oz, and they've probably not even read it. They've probably just watched the movie. But I've read all of the bomb books. I discovered them uh, whenever I was a kid at one of our local libraries. I think they didn't have all of them, but I read all of the ones they did have multiple Mm -hmm. times. I mean, the most obvious Oz element is the apple Mm -hmm. trees. That one even managed to make it into the movie. And there's always kind of a Wizard of Oz element whenever you have uh, three or four characters walking down a road in the middle of the woods. See, Um, okay, I I feel like I can tell that you're struggling with this. So is it okay if I I I answer for you? Sure. like, maybe Hazel can't see it, but when I am collaborating on something with Hazel or wh- whenever Hazel is is DMing any game, I feel like any moment where she's trying to inspire something strange or wonderful, like, you can tell that, like, deep, deep way back in there, the root of where that idea came from or the, the first time she had that feeling is from the Oz books. Like the most obvious moments in Legends of Chell are when the the apple trees attacked us. But I feel like the most distinctly Oz moments that we had are when Day was talking to animals or when she talked to the tree cutter. Mm. Like Hazel invents all these strange animals and that's like a thousand percent Oz in my mind because those (laughs) books had so many weird creatures like the porcelain people um, and the creepy couch monster. What's his name? Yeah, the The gump gump from, I think that's Return to Oz, right? Uh, That's with Ozma, not with Dorothy, so... That that's that's yeah, as far as I, I think know. So, <laughs> so like, um, there's there's a movie that has a name that is not the name of mm. either of the books that's in between two of the books, um, and I'm not good at titles. Mm-hmm. So um, I basically, what, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I feel like Oz is built into Hazel's storytelling DNA to an extent that she doesn't even necessarily know it <laughs> when it's happening. <laughs> yeah. Oz and Xanth both are wild and weird monsters and things, but the apple trees were the direct, and there was also the wall of fire that you had at the end of the um, pendulum pit after you solved the puzzle in the Mm -hmm. museum that was inspired by the Wizard of Oz. There is um, a scene in one of the books where someone has stolen all of the wizard's tricks. Um, He can do actual magic at this point. And they're trying to get that back and some other stuff's going on. And they come across a wall of fire. The only way to shut off the wall of fire is to be on the opposite side of it and stick a pin in it. 
And so the wall of fire where you guys uh, take the trampoline and bounce off mm-hmm. of it and then it goes away is also a direct uh, Oz reference, though it doesn't doesn't work exactly the same way. And I didn't do it very well. I don't feel I like thought that was a but good that was also that was also a direct uh, Oz reference. I have one more thing to say, which is that in The Wizard of Oz, they make it to the Emerald City. And they all have to put on these green glasses. And the people at the gate say that it should protect their eyes from all of the beautiful emeralds in the city. But eventually you learn that they are green glasses. um, And that everything in the Emerald City is actually white. And it's still beautiful. And it's, it's still extremely valuable stuff. It's made of diamonds and stuff instead of emeralds. But they've played this trick on you. And I feel like that is the kind of story that hazel was telling (laughs) (laughs) yeah fair enough so it looks like we have one more legend yeah i thought about this one for a long time because well the campaign we wrapped up a long time ago like we finished recording last april um so it's been a long time and it lasted over a year um so Jazz's question, what's your favorite part of Chell that was made up during the campaign by a player, not Hazel, required some thought um, because like it's hard to (laughs) even remember all of the different crap we came up with over the course of the campaign. But my answer Mm -hmm. to it, um, Hazel, I don't know if you thought, but my answer is my favorite thing in the campaign is Kieran's contribution to the St. Michelle mythos. Uh, so Waylon, I think that Kieran wanted to play an Asimar for mechanical reasons, because that's sort of the heart of gaming for him. But he's also way into storytelling. And so like when we brought up this concept of like, we have these gods, do you want your Deva to be related to any of them? And he picked St. Michelle and we started like collaborating on what that would look like. Like, I feel like that's my favorite part of playing RPGs. The way that we sort of, we laid out a framework and whenever there were moments that Kieran wasn't absolutely sure we, what he wanted, we filled it, we backfilled details for him. But mostly he built all of this cool stuff into St. Michelle for Waylon's character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't really have a good answer for this. Like you said, it was a long time ago, and my <laughs> memory is very bad. And the Bell's Run campaign is very much largely uh, Hazel does a bunch of weird stuff and tries to keep you guessing as much as possible. Yeah, for sure. Here's some weird monsters that she's designed because all of you are very experienced players <laughs> and you know everything. And Hazel likes making weird monsters. Yeah. (laughs) So here's weird monsters and weird gear and weird story. So, yeah, a lot of the Bells Run campaign is just like a lot of lore that I've built, which is not how Theron runs things. No, not at all. A lot of your campaign was like your little private railroad. Um, And and I, I always work in way more... Uh, character input than that though eventually at some point it does become that things are inevitable uh but Mm -hmm. like yeah it's it's very hard for me to think of anything that isn't directly related to like our character backstories that isn't like 99 percent hazel yeah me too (laughs) so (laughs) what i remember that I like about a chill that wasn't made up by me during my campaign are the players. So I really love Ichabod and Ichabod's mom and their relationship. And I like Ichabod's relationship with uh, Withers Morantelli, which is a character that David came Mm -hmm. up with. It's not my character. I, you know, played the character. So there's definitely, there's a lot of influence there. But it's David's character that they created. I really like Day's a druid character with her with her gay parents <laughs> and her 
little brother and her obsession with sheep and <laughs> textile mm-hmm. projects. And day, uh, as annoying as it was for me, uh, always walking around talking what to animals. it was annoying? Those were my favorite parts. <laughs> I know they're your favorite parts, but every time you talk to an animal, it's like, okay, I need to come up with a new animal voice. <laughs> what is this animal talk about that I'm willing to talk about with Theron? How much information am I <laughs> willing to animal. give? Uh, how much really, How much invita- information are they capable of giving? Um, and figure all of that out for each different animal. And it's just like, okay, I had stuff going on, and now Theron's going to get some information that I wasn't <laughs> planning on giving, or that I don't know and have to invent but and come up with. But you fully, <laughs> after the first couple of times that happened, you knew it was going to keep going. <laughs> but I always... <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I'm glad that that I got back at you somewhat for the reverse math thing. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah, as annoying as those moments were for me, they're also really good. Um, uh, I know they're really good because Darren really <laughs> loves them. <laughs> yeah, you did such a good job with them for something that you apparently did not enjoy. I enjoy a number of them. No, I mean you as didn't well, enjoy doing even though them. Though it was, yeah, and I love beefy farmer Waylon and Gajazura, and the weird accents that I pulled out for some of his relatives mm-hmm. for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I I think out of all the characters, I really loved uh, Waylon's storyline and what Waylon mm-hmm. was doing, and like you said, Kieran. Uh, came up with a lot of that. I helped him name some of his family <laughs> because I needed them running around and he had a lot mm-hmm. of family to name. And we worked together a lot, all three of us, <laughs> Kieran, Theron, and I, really. Um, yeah, because, well, I mean, St. Michelle is my character, really. Yeah, St. Michelle's your character. And Kieran had ideas, and based off of Kieran's ideas, I had ideas, and I would talk to Theron about it because... It's Theron's character. And so uh, we worked a lot of on that, uh, especially at the beginning, because I couldn't consult with Theron too much mm-hmm. after. But yeah, I think I really loved the whole Asimar, St. Michelle, Waylon helping to redeem yeah. Heather storyline. I really enjoyed that mm-hmm. as well. So yeah, I really loved the characters and the world that they built around themselves. And I'm sure that I allowed them to build some other things as well, but I don't know what they are because I can't Well, I mean, yeah, I feel like I'm sitting here just trying to think, but I feel like, yeah, our characters were so many, there were so many great things that we like gave you to work with. And I think that Waylon and Heather is, is like the epitome of what we were, what we were going for and what worked well about the way that you were telling the story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the way your characters reacted and developed through the campaign day, especially, uh, after the loss of Ichabod. Yeah, it was good. (laughs) It was a good campaign. We did a good job. Yeah. We finished it too. So we have one from Discord from C. Tate, and it says, Jack's a druid now, right? Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I have not really thought about specifically the class that Jack is. Um, I kind of think of her as a wizard because she's learning magic with her brain. Like, she doesn't have an innate talent for it as far as we know. Um, But I think that probably since she's from Earth, she's some sort of amalgamation of different styles uh, mm. that like nobody has seen before. And that's why her, um, her code words and uh, components are so unusual. So like there might be some Druid influence in there because that's my bag, but, <laughs> but I kind of think of her as a wizard. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense to me too. I thought that she was um, probably, you know, a wizard, um, which is, I think, what Geneva is. Not that that's all the school teaches, but um, that just made sense with what you seem to be doing at the end there. Yeah. Whoosh and stuff. 
Yeah. Okay, it's my turn, right? Yeah. Should I find an easy one for you, or should I uh, do something difficult right off the bat? Uh, I don't know. Whatever you feel like. I thought I would open it up with an easy one, um, okay. <laughs> but um, I did that, so you can do what you want now. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to jump into Deej's question. Um, Deej is at Deej Silvis on Twitter, um, and they ask... I'd love to hear more about how you created the characters. The world is obviously linked to a lot of other world building you've done, but I would be interested in hearing particularly about the process of character building for the show. Um, And then underneath it, I put a list of characters so that we remember who everyone is. (laughs) Okay. So um, I guess I did create most of the characters. So it's a good question for me. Um, not that you well, didn't I'll, help. I'll, yeah, I can chime in too. Yeah. Not that you didn't help flesh stuff out and uh, you're mostly in charge of Jack. Um, so um, we'll start with Jack and Geneva, I guess. And They're us. They're, That's yeah, it. They're, they're basically us. They're basically us. Um, yeah. You know, us in those situations with magic and stuff. And, you know, there are definitely liberties taken. But they're they're basically just us. Yeah, Jack is sort of like who I want to be rather than who I actually am, I think. Mm. She's she's braver and uh, she is um, like better at finding justice and stuff like that. Uh, whereas I'm just kind of, I'm just me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Geneva is, I think, probably a little closer to me than Jack is to you. Um, maybe not, um, but... Um, yeah, um, Geneva's me. She's got a lot of anxiety (laughs) and stuff going on. Um, she can take charge, but doesn't really like it. Um, and there's, there's a lot of stuff that's not me. I can't do magic. Um, sorry for anyone who thinks I can. Um, and (laughs) I'm not a giant orc woman. Um, I'm also not bi and don't drink even a little bit but um (laughs) mostly pretty well me i could even technically have the skill to build that little rock arch that geneva put the plant in um not and have it be pretty but i could build it (laughs) (laughs) so yeah uh jack and geneva are basically us i think that an important avenue to explore so i'm going to sort of ask you a follow-up question about the characters is like how we decided to make these characters like this like because i remember sitting in the living room with you uh, and we were taking all these notes on what sort of show we might want to make Mm -hmm. um and i it was it was like not long after you came out as trans um, and we were thinking about working that into the show somehow so, like, what do you, how do you think that, like, that time and those decisions ended up influencing the characters, like, being different and how we ended up using them? Yeah, so, um, so this ties into how we started the podcast in the first place, which is interesting. Um, <laughs> and I don't know really how to go into that too much without talking about that. So, um, we started the podcast because Theron wanted to. They were having a really good time with um, Roll Like a Girl. Roll Like a Girl. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they wanted to do uh, something in our world. Um, and uh, we decided... Really, I wanted to do something with you. Like, I wanted to bring you into it. Yeah. I'm not even sure that Chell was, like, the goal at first. Mm. Um. So we spent a lot of time trying to figure out what to do. I wasn't really too into the idea of doing uh, something at the time. No, I wasn't. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so I was struggling a lot with what we would do. And uh, as we bandied ideas back and forth, I was like, well, I just came out as trans. And it would be really good to have some trans representation because I never really had that. And so the character who lived on earth was going to be a trans woman. And that got changed around a little bit. 
It did. Uh, we definitely had this moment where we decided that I shouldn't be the one playing the trans character. Um, and I was going to be the one on earth, like from as soon as we started developing the idea. Uh, and mm-hmm. part of that was because of our voices, which I regret now. Um, and part of it was just because like, I was very devoted to playing this like little earth nerd who would be obsessed with all of the stuff that she was going to be learning about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't even remember that we had set it up kind of love and luck style, where I was thinking about you playing the trans person. I don't remember that, but I believe you. Yeah. I guess we're going to jump over to Leopold and Julian a bit since I'm talking about love and luck. It's interesting because, yeah, uh, we originally had the role of who is playing the trans person, who is playing the cis person uh, reverse, like it was in Love and Luck. And we straightened that out. And then when we brought Julie and Leopold in, who were played by Aaron and Lee, I also kind of reversed them in my head anyway. Like you have a trans headcanon for the boys? Uh, No, it's... Uh, their personalities. Oh, I see. Yeah, so in this one, uh, Lee plays the more comedic, the more loose character, and Aaron plays the like uh, kind of straight, logic, serious one. And I felt like, it's not like a complete mirroring or anything, but I thought felt that was like a little re- bit of a reversal from Love and Luck. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was interesting. So, yeah, I guess we'll get we'll get back to them because all of the crew really need to be talked about together, I think. Um, except for Jin, because Jin came first. Showed up in the first season. Yeah. Well, maybe we should we should talk about. Uh, I th- did somebody ask about our writing process? I don't think so. So I feel like we should talk about the way that the show worked in the first season, because it was really extremely like slipshod throw it together every week yes like we we had made this agreement to release an episode every two weeks i think uh and it was basically like on thursday night we would be like oh shit we're supposed to do an episode of interference we have to have it out like in a few hours let's write it and record it now Yes. Uh, because that's how podcasting worked in our minds at the beginning. We had never like heard of the audio drama scene or anything like that. We got involved with that later. Yeah, I feel like the plan was always to write a little ahead, but it rarely happened. Yeah, we're busy. Episode one and two were written ahead. They were written together um, because they had to be um, with how those were structured. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think those were the only two that were written ahead before we started recording. Yeah. <laughs> so we wrote those two and then we went in and then just like every, every week or every other week, whatever we were doing, um, we would write the episode and then we'd record it and then upload it. And sometimes that was within, you know, a couple of hours time. And sometimes it was a couple of days, but, um, yeah, it was, it was very, uh, kind of weird and hectic. yeah and that's why the se- the characters in season one are so different from the characters in season two because we sort of just threw things together and then like bartered and asked friends to provide voices so uh in the first season jen was played by lauren because i was pretty much working with lauren all the time on role like a girl uh and then like all of our other friends made like brief appearances whenever we need another voice so like kieran from legends of tell played a character nikki played a character um tess played a character so like all of these people that we knew from role-playing podcasts ended up on this show just because they were free at the time (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) yes We needed other people, um, and we needed other people a lot sooner in season one and more often than I anticipated. (laughs) So um, we would get people last minute. Um, We asked Kieran to play Carter, and then we needed that character again. But Theron was like, well, we just asked them to do the one, so we should do something else. So we got Lauren to do Jen kind of 
for a more long-term kind of role up front. Then the second season rolled around and we had like grand plans because we had like become part of the audio drama Mm -hmm. community rather than just being sort of on our own. Um, So we had like a better idea of how things worked and we realized like, oh, the fact that we ended the season uh, and we aren't just continually writing this and we don't really have an infinite idea for this show is totally fine and normal. Also, we should Mm -hmm. be writing things ahead. (laughs) So we planned for Geneva's crew like significantly. And I I guess everybody saw that because we did a casting call um, and it was very exciting. But at the same time, like we still aren't real planners because the second half of the season, which just came out, was not finished when we started recording with everybody. Yeah, a lot of the first half wasn't either, really. Um, I don't know how far I got in writing ahead before we started releasing, but I had set myself and I'd told the actors that I would have them their lines a month ahead of time uh, for them to look Mm -hmm. at, and then I needed it two weeks before uh, the release date. So I was still writing as I was going, but I was further ahead uh, than I had been before. Um, and also, yeah. in the first season, I was writing Geneva, Theron was writing Jack, and we kind of worked on the other characters together. And in season two, I was writing everything. Um, Theron would come in uh, as my editor and suggest things and help me when I got stuck. Um, and uh, especially focused on getting Jack right, because that's their character. Um, but I was writing everyone. Yeah, the nature of how we were collaborating on it changed a lot in the second season because I was kind of overwhelmed with stuff. So like Hazel took over as the main writer and we would more rather than writing it together when she got stuck or when she had a few ideas, like she'd bounce them off me and we would we would come up with the best one together. So when we were doing season two, um, we knew that we needed more characters we needed an adventuring party so um the original idea was that the adventuring party would be there and they'd go out and we wouldn't hear from them very much i told everybody three they'd be in three to four episodes um and they ended up being in double that um because i i wrote Mm -hmm. them more than i thought i was going to well it was so interesting once they had voices um (laughs) I knew that our main focus was Jack and Geneva. People were really interested in their relationship and the talking about the two different worlds from different points of view and stuff. Um, so that was the main that was the main thing of interference. But we also had action going on, so uh, we needed an adventuring party to deal with that. And we would hear the idea was we'd hear from them occasionally, but not often, um, and mostly we'd hear about what was going on with Jack and Geneva talking to each other, um, which we definitely get, but not as much of that as I was originally thinking. And Mm -hmm. so the adventuring party came about. Um, Jen was easy. Um, Jen was like, Jen was important and there and had a relationship with Geneva um, throughout their adventures in Chell. Um, so Jen was definitely an easy, oh, well, I can use Jen. Um, Jen is kind of a rogue type, um, cast magic, but, um, a rogue type character. Um, and then, Mm -hmm. so I was like, okay, well, I need other people. So I need some strong adventuring types. And I think, I don't remember if it was both Elise and Damien, that I came up with their name and them being as the strong one of the strong people in season one. I, th- I think Damien was definitely there, and maybe Elise, but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And that was the end of season one. We were already plotting what we needed for season two. Yeah. I don't think we'll ever do it again, but something that is unique about Interference, or maybe not unique, but interesting about Interference, that the way that we wrote it, even in season two, gave us some flexibility with the characters. Mm-hmm. Like once we we had you had these ideas that were based on like what class they were in D yeah, basically. So we had we had a lot of magic because it's a highly magical society, the orcs. Um, and we had a little bit of muscle. But then we found our voice actors for those concepts and we very much wrote to the people. Yes. Yeah. 
yeah, so I had a warlock, a wizard, uh, two fighters of some variety or another, and Jin, who is like an arcane trickster rogue, I guess, but with more magic. Um, <laughs> like a, a wizard who specializes in sneaky stuff and tech stuff. Yeah, that was basically that was basically all I knew about them. Other than it was like Leopold and Julian are a gay couple, and um, Leopold is kind of comedic and funny. Which I don't know if that's be- became a focus um, like it originally started out as being the idea. Um, but they're definitely a lot looser, and Julian's more serious and yeah, we reserved. Had that, we had that scene with the hat. Yeah. Um, and then it sort of it sort of petered off after that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. I still love that scene. <laughs> yeah, um, the hat was your idea. Yeah, uh, I think that basically you said uh, that you wanted something silly to happen, and I was like, "Well, how about this ridiculous hat that I saw mm-hmm. earlier?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and without you helping me out with the weird, silly things, I just it didn't end up being so much that. I still think mm-hmm. Julian's a little comedic, a little funny, especially in a few episodes. Well, I think I think that um, both of them are pretty funny in the scene uh, in the episode where they're like making out and Jack calls. Like <laughs> it's a very serious episode, but there's a lot of funny parts of it too. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I knew about them, and then I just based them off of the actors who were playing them. So originally, mm-hmm. they were just roles that needed to be filled. To flesh out the story, basically. Um, They were kind of hollow. I tried not to have them be too hollow. But as I got to know the characters and their voices and stuff, I started writing uh, more for them um, so that the characters would fit the voice. I feel like the same goes there for Claire as well. Yes. Uh, Claire was in, yeah. Uh, Like, she's not really part of the orc team, but same deal where we we wrote Claire for Sheila. Yeah, there is a roommate in season one who, in my head, is someone different Mm -hmm. um, from Claire. Um, And then Claire comes in in uh, season two. And yeah, I'm definitely writing for Sheila there because Sheila is fantastic. Mm -hmm. But Claire was always kind of supposed to be uh, this flirty, very flirty character. So that was definitely an idea that I had there. Um, and then they became polyamorous later because we didn't have that in the show. And I was like, well, we should throw that in there. For those characters, it's very much based on the actor playing them. Um, obviously, uh, the actors I've hired, I don't know nearly as well as I know Theron and myself. And they had to fit into the roles that I'd already had in my head uh, whenever I started writing. Um, but I definitely... Um, tried moving more towards um, what they were giving me. Yeah. I feel like sort of a different version of a similar thing is uh, what we did with Tommy slash Carathel with Max, whereas like we wrote this very nervous character and we were like, oh, well, Max was like in our understudy list of people who like we wanted to give a role, but we didn't have enough. Uh, and they are very good at being anxious. <laughs> uh, so that's that's why we ended up with Max for that. At the time, we had no idea that that was going to be the main villain. Um, but I really, once I hit on that idea, mm-hmm. I pushed for it really hard. You did. <laughs> and I liked it as well. Um, it took it took a little little pushing to bring me around. But it was a good idea. And I think that we made it work pretty well. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for Drew, we made it work pretty well. Yeah. Tommy was just a role that I needed to fill originally. They were just... Just sort of like setting the scene. Yeah, setting the scene of pride. I feel yeah. like you need you need there to be like a ridiculous hookup and for breakfast to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there needs to be somebody new there and it has to be a little awkward. And yeah, so we needed we needed someone like Tommy. Yeah. Um, and then Theron got the idea for them to be Carathel later, um, mostly because we needed a voice for Carathel, I guess. And Max was available. And I was like, well, I don't know. Max already did Tommy. And well, I don't know if that's entirely what it was. What? I, I mean, that's, part that's of definitely it. a part of it. <laughs> but 
Um, I feel like I really liked the idea of a villain that even we didn't expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that that's that's who it had to be if we're going for something like that. Yeah. And Carathel as a character and a villain, um, they were in season one. We've had them planned out for a little while. Um, I think initially when I wrote that, uh, we didn't know quite as much about Carathel as I might have liked. I'm not sure if I knew they were a Mind Flayer when I did that. Um, But uh, the Mind Flayer thing was definitely something that I worked on around that time. I feel like we've pretty thoroughly talked through the characters at this point. Is there anything else that, like, you meant to say that we didn't get to? Uh, No, I don't think so. I think that's pretty pretty much it. Uh, It's your turn to ask me a question if you'd like. Okay. Let's look. That's about sound design, so that's for me. Um... (laughs) That's also for me. These are Legends of Chell. So I guess um, Max asked a number of questions. Yeah, you can give me another silly question. So that's at Esoterics90sIP on Twitter. And the first one that they asked was, since Legends of Chell is set in the same world that Geneva comes from, have either of you ever thought about doing a big crossover event like Marvel style? Uh, I have personally never thought of doing anything Marvel style. I'm I'm actually like I know that I I know that I play D&D and like other role playing games and do a lot of basically like ensemble cast hero things all the time but at the same time it is not my jam to have like a bunch of heroes I, like I can't necessarily explain it the idea of Geneva and Jack showing up in a different time period in Chell is kind of weird for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, if they show up directly. But I, I do like the idea of, like, the echoes of them showing up, which we have had. Yes. Um, we, like, I don't know if we've ever said it, but Heat of Winter, the romance novel that Ichabod's mom is reading and that keeps coming up in Legends of Chell, is, like, basically a long-told story that is in a bunch of different permutations over time. That's really Geneva and Jack's story. Uh, yes. So um, <laughs> Geneva and Jack's story became quite well known and popular in their region. And um, a lot of literature has been based on them. So Heat of Winter is it's an old work, but it's still fairly recent and a lot of the true facts about Jack and Geneva um, from older works are probably not very well known and Heat of Winter has almost nothing to do with Jack and Geneva <laughs> other than kind of having their names it's kind of like it's kind of like um, a fanfic or like a a media tie-in. Um, yeah, I very book. I very much consider it to be in the realm of fanfic, sort of like I imagine that there are hundreds of books about uh, this sort of relationship mm-hmm. uh, that are like very loosely based on these characters that everybody thinks are an archetype because they lived thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago yeah. at, at any point in Legends of Chell. <laughs> yeah, there are lots of uh, books that have these characters' names together or derivations of these characters' names or that are clearly influenced by their story. They've been very influential over time. Yeah, I mean, there are definitely going to be references to uh, things that happen in the world, but I don't think we've ever planned on bringing them into, like, Legends of Chell game as as, uh, people. Like, bringing them out of time doesn't make any sense to me. Um, they had their time and their story and they died and things have moved on. Mm-hmm. I do have um, game ideas, like very vague game ideas that are set in Geneva's time. Mm-hmm. So if we ever do something like that, then I don't know if I'd consider it a crossover, but there would probably be some sort of um, thematic something or another where you can see all of these little pieces uh, from the Chell side of things rather than the Earth side. Yeah, and I don't have those ideas. <laughs> interference is set in a time period that through interference, I've developed a lot of lore about, but mm-hmm. it's a time period that I consider 
to be uh, my wife's. My wife um, started it. My <laughs> wife developed it. This is all kind of their thing, and I'm working with it in interference. But overall, it's my wife's story, my wife's time period of Chell um, that I don't really know a lot about other than what I wrote in Interference. So, yeah, it's not something that I really have a lot of ideas for in that time period where I could even bring them in as cameos or anything. Mm-hmm. So, I think that's um, all I have to say on that. Do you have a yeah, question you're thinking think about asking me? I'm looking at the questions. Do you want to talk about sound design stuff? I can talk about that. Okay. So, in our Discord, Rachel asked, I'm a little curious. What is your opinion on writing out sound design? Do you write it out as visual so that when you do your sound design, you know how to make it more nuanced? Do you try for a general sound description so it gets the point across and you don't have to make it really specific? Or do you like both? Uh, And then I'll leave the rest of it for afterwards. Okay. So, yeah, I guess the short answer is both. So I have aphantasia, which means that I can't visualize things. And so I just, everything is words. It's all words in there. All words. Even sounds are kind of iffy. But I have kind of a feeling for what I want. So if it's something simple, uh, like a door opening, like like door open close is something that I write a lot in my uh, sound effects notes as I'm writing, or footsteps, or something simple like that. It's just like, this is an environmental sound that I need. And for other things, sometimes they can be quite complex. Um, sometimes I'm just like, okay, I need... Uh, a sound effect here for whatever detect magic sounds like. I have no idea what that sounds like, but I need (laughs) that. So when I'm coming through, I have to come here and I have to figure out what detect magic sounds like. And sometimes I'm designing spells and I'm like, okay, well, I want some chimes glissandoing up here. And then like, I want like a cymbal hit of some kind. And then I want... (laughs) Like uh, the sound of a bug zapper or an arc welder or something sounds good to make this be like that. And sometimes it's very detailed. I have the ideas of the sounds that I'm looking for and what might be able to make those and what I might be able to find. Because as the question goes on to ask, uh, what sound effect and music libraries do I recommend people use? I basically use uh, free sound Mm -hmm. for sound. Occasionally I'll record something of my own, but I don't do that very often. I just go to free sound. Uh, Sometimes, like I said, I know what I'm looking for. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I have kind of like, oh, well, I need it to be magical. A lot of times glissandos are good for that, um, of chimes or harps, which I learned by trying to find things. (laughs) Little bells and like finger symbols and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and there, sometimes you have an idea for a sound you want and you know what it is and they don't have it or you can't find it if they do have it. Or sometimes the recording's just really bad and it's not usable because it has way too much noise on it for some reason. I go there, I find the sounds I need. If I can make the sounds on my own and they don't have what I need, usually it's easier to search for and find something there than setting up my mic somewhere near something I need. Yeah, absolutely. We tried to record our own footsteps once, and that was like a fiasco. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So a lot of times it's just easier to find something there and then work with what I have. Mm -hmm. Which is a thing that I do a lot even when I probably don't really have to. (laughs) So, yeah, that's what I do. I do free sound, and I don't do music very much. Where do I get music from, Thering? I forget what it's called. Uh, well, I mean, we use the the standby of Incompetech, but the cool place to get music is the Free Music Archive, which is yes. a project that at some point was run by uh, WFMU, which is a New York radio station uh, that was like sort of, it had the vibe of a college station, but it was like a public station. Um, and they have a lot of artists put up 
uh, public domain or Creative Commons music there. Um, and a lot of it is experimental and weird. Uh, so like way back in season one, uh, when Jack didn't believe that Geneva was really a person from another planet, uh, she plays some like rowdy metal music. <laughs> That's from the Free Music Archive. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you would consider what I do on Legends of Child to be sound design, which I don't, it's really dialogue editing with some occasional music. Uh, I, I get whenever I stick music in there, it tends to be from Free Music Archive. It also, it usually at this point tends to be from one musician uh, who is under the name either Komiku or Monplazier. Uh, mm. They they publish under both, um, and all of their stuff is public domain, and they have a lot of variety. Uh, yeah. So they're they're like a really good artist to go to for uh, free to use music. Yeah, um, a lot of people use IncompTech and Kevin McLeod stuff, and Kevin McLeod has a lot of stuff. Um, a lot of it's also on Free Music Archive. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, I think you've used a Kevin McLeod song. Um, yeah, um, I actually bought uh, like the rights to like all of the individual pieces for use for a Kevin McLeod song for like battle music once uh, Mm -hmm. so that I could like make it rise and fall as I wanted it to. Like he published uh, here's just the drum line and here's the, the horns and all of that stuff. And you could sort of mix and match it if you paid him five bucks or something like that. So Mm -hmm, I I did mm -hmm. that. Uh, But (laughs) that was, that was too much work for me. Let's tackle the rest of Max's questions. I'm going to go from, the least to the most uh, important. Um, so what is Geneva's opinion of Baby Yoda? Okay, um, this is an interesting question because I'm pretty sure, and Theron did some math, um, <laughs> that Geneva never learned of Baby Yoda officially. Nope. They left probably a couple of weeks before uh, the Mandalorian would have been uh would have gone live in like assuming it's the real world. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Geneva wouldn't have known about baby Yoda, but if she had, uh, <laughs> what would her opinion of baby Yoda be? Well, uh, baby Yoda is pretty cute and also, excuse me, also green. Um, <laughs> so uh, he's got that going for him. Let's see. It probably would have brought up some aliens what are they depicting thoughts like uh, the alien discussion on jack and geneva's walk did um mm-hmm. was like oh is this supposed to be an orc and also it has like pointed ears so it's like is this supposed to be an elf you know i thought that this was a really simple question but now i think about it we we have written episodes of interference based on a question like this yes we have <laughs> Uh, I think Geneva's opinion would be mixed because Geneva definitely does like memes. Um, They tend to like throwing out older things. I think mostly to get the Jack response of rolling their eyes and (laughs) telling uh, Geneva to shut up. Uh, (laughs) That's another thing. Jack would absolutely say shut up when that is not... I do not say that. That is rude. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Um... So yeah, I think mixed Baby Yoda is cute and cool, but also is this influenced by shell creatures? So Mm -hmm. a little confusion and also uh, interest in analysis in that way, probably. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's a little goblin, right? Mm. (laughs) Hmm. Basically. Yeah. Um, Okay. Max also asked what Jack and Geneva's McDonald's tie-in meals would be like in the style of the BTS meal that just was happening. Uh, and we both had immediate answers for that. So I think that Jack's tie-in would be a grown-up sized Happy Meal. So you could choose like a quarter pounder or 10 piece McNugget meal and you would get a toy. What kind of toy? Would it be a a bigger toy, a more complex toy, or it would just be the same thing as in a Happy Meal? It would just be the same thing as in a Happy Meal. Okay. Uh, though like the ideal toy would obviously be those little like those little toys that like they looked like McNuggets and like other McDonald's items. And then they were like little transformers that turned Mm. into cars or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's like the choice McDonald's (laughs) toy that Jack would would really want. That would be cool. If like the adult (laughs) happy meal gave you like 
retro McDonald's toys. Retro McDonald's toys, absolutely. (laughs) McDonald's toys from your childhood. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be really cool. (laughs) What about Geneva's? Geneva's is two breakfast burritos, two cheeseburgers, a large fry, four-piece chicken McNuggets with a packet of honey, and a medium Coke. Um, Because those are kind of all things that I like, basically, I guess. <laughs> I feel like Geneva would be all over breakfast burritos, though. And I think that the four-piece chicken nuggets with a packet of honey is a, a weird thing that I picked up from my mom that's kind of worth throwing in there. Um, not necessarily four-piece, mm-hmm. because, you know, it'd be a regular one, a six, or an eight, or whatever. They have um, a four-piece. Yeah, I know they have a four-piece. I threw it in there to make it be a little less food. <laughs> less food. It's a lot of food. It's a lot of food. Geneva's big, so <laughs> Geneva needs a lot of food. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then, I mean, I guess we already touched on this concept with uh, when we were talking about the crossover that Max also said, while the story of Interference is over, are there any plans for spinoffs about other characters or expanded universe stuff? Uh, And I have an answer for this, but I would like to hear if you have one first, Hazel. Okay, well, um, I did start and am planning on at some point continuing an Interference novel which would be a retelling of the interference storyline with uh, additional stuff, of Mm -hmm. course. So uh, I guess that's a tie-in or a spinoff or something. And I also have thought of other things. Theron and I have played around with writing Heat of Mm -hmm. Winter. Heat of Winter is definitely more my style of thing because of the fan fiction element of it for a National Novel Writing Month not not long ago, either last year or the year before, I toyed around with the idea of Heat of Winter, um, it, an erotic romance between a pirate captain and a scientist. Mm. Yeah, I think Heat of Winter, as it is in Legends of Chell, is like a boss romance. Like... Oh, I am being hired as your secretary, and we are gay. (laughs) After having written what I wrote in Legends of Chell about that, I was considering writing a bad romance featuring these characters like Mm -hmm. that. Um, I've also have considered uh, recently, um, I have way too many projects to be working on anything like that, but I've considered recently maybe writing something with Jack and Geneva on Shell, or, oh, an idea that I actually had was writing a story about Earth after Jack and Geneva leave with all of the different changes mm-hmm. from the influence of magic on yeah. Shell. And I think that would be really cool. I also feel like that's not mine to write. Like, I couldn't do that proper justice, even though interference is, like, modern day with magic. That's not my usual Mm -hmm. style, and it's not something that I enjoy reading a lot of times. And I just don't think that I could do that well. I think it's a really cool idea. But I don't think it's uh, for so me. So my answer is just like, nah, we don't have any plans. We don't really plan. That should be clear by now. <laughs> <laughs> like, we have a lot of ideas, uh, and that's clear. But we don't we don't have plans to do anything. I, I plan to have dinner at some point later tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's not quite true. Because there is going to be an Interference IPM um, episode that's this true. year. And I kind of plan on continuing that. I missed a year. I wanted to do it, but I didn't have the energy. And I kind of continue to do the Interference IPMs. I don't know what they'll be. I have no Mm -hmm. idea. So I don't know how long that will continue. But um, I do have uh, plans to write little, short, isolated stories with Jack and Geneva on Earth, I don't see writing any on Chell. Chell's after interference mm-hmm. is done. So just like little little flashback episodes, little stuff that we didn't get to see in interference. I can plan on continue 
doing those for IPM, so like once a year. <laughs> but other than that, there's not like any serious serious plans other than I would like to write that novel someday, but we'll see because I've never finished a novel. <laughs> not a full right. novel. Uh, is there anything else that you want to say about interference before I move into the, the Legends of Chell section of this document? I don't think so. Do we want to see if anybody else... We don't have anybody in here, so nope. I guess not. Okay. Um, we have talked for way too long, so I think it's it's not only a good a good time to end it, the end of our questions, but necessary mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. this point. <laughs> so uh, thank you all for listening, and thank you to everybody who showed up to listen to us babble about stuff. Uh, we will get this up on the air as soon as I've gone through it to edit out any time that we sounded foolish or maybe revealed anyone's identity accidentally who doesn't want it. I'm not sure if we did that, but I'm going to check. And we will see you around for the next project for the next season of Legends of Chell. Bye. Bye.